I want to begin tonight by reading you a poem that I received from Amber Pastor that I think that it literally broke my heart when I read it, and I thought I would read it to you. Sometimes I feel so alone. In time, the doctor says my broken heart will heal. I didn't mean to steal innocent lives from this world. The world is so cold, leaving my innocent, precious children. I couldn't be so bold. I wish I could hold my beautiful and and not ever let go. The seasons change and time goes, but this broken heart will not ever go. I just can't let go until God says so. I wish I knew I was on my way to heaven. Kiss my angels and not ever let go. I want to lie on top of the moon till it turns gold. That, that will be a one-way trip to heaven. My heart feels so cold. I'm dead, but I'm still breathing. What led me to be so cold? Maybe the world will someday know my broken heart will not ever let go. Good evening, Amber, and welcome back. Good evening. Um, yes, I wrote that for a dedication for my three children, my precious children that I miss truly and dearly, and I live with regret and remorse every day. I also have another poetry piece that I would like to read that I wrote from my heart, sincerely from my heart, that as I look in the mirror, I ask myself, how did I come to this mean person? The world doesn't know who I really am, a beautiful lady, big heart, and a lost soul. They see me for a monster that I didn't ever intend to be. Lost at heart with a full voice full of words. Oh, Lord, how is this meant to be? Men can be so mean. I wish this was all just a bad dream. All night I just want to scream. The devil has gotten to me. I turned out to be my worst enemy. Oh, Lord, please don't let this continue to happen to me. The world could be a nasty place. I have two sides of a face. An angel and a demon. I just wanted to get even. It turned out to be a bad season. I didn't ever intend for that to be. Oh, Lord, why am I so standing? Only you know the reason for that to be. While others want to scream and do evil things to me, oh, Lord, please tell me this is all just a horrible dream and that one day you will be standing right next to me. That was absolutely beautiful. Yes, I wrote this about a month ago. It really tells, it really tells, it really tells how you feel inside. And, and that's what I want our audience to understand. Yes. That you do feel the remorse. Yes. I look at that every day. Every, every time I look in the mirror, I wish there was a rewind button in life. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I was high at the time that I did all the things that I've done that wasn't supposed to happen. And like I said, people don't know the real me, the beautiful soul that I have. You know, I was a great mother, and I got lost, and I've been through a lot of trauma that ruined me and destroyed me mentally and physically. I could I could hear that in your in your words when we spoke the first time, and that's why I wanted to um, re-interview you again because I felt like there was more to the story. Yes, and I would love for it to go on air. You have to do that um, visitation thing. Yes. And I have... You do, you do I have, have my DLC, correct? Yes, I do. I think you gave it to me, didn't you, in the letter? Yes. Or, or maybe Sally gave it to me. I think it starts with a three. Two, no, it's one, five, two, seven, two, six. Okay. You 
I'll have it now. Um, I can get it from the recording. Okay. Do you need my birthday? Oh, yes, I do. 4-23-1987. Okay. And that's all I should need in order to... You know how to spell um, my last name, correct? Yes. Okay. I, do, I, I have both spellings. Okay. So, I yes, like I do know. I would like to read another piece, if that's okay with you. That is fine, hon. Surrounded by concrete walls, stuck in my thoughts, praying for better days until God calls. Oh, how I hate these concrete walls. Trying so hard not to fall. Telling myself God is staying high and ten toes tall. The seasons change from hot to cold, bright flowers, pretty leaves, and white snow. Prison is like seasons. All we have to do is change our bad ways and tell ourselves to better days. From bad attitudes, authority, and lots of rules, this picture those bright flowers and pretty leaves. Find a color in these dark walls. Be a light in an underground world. Walk with all your might until good Lord God calls. So tell me, Amber, are you finding it a little easier now to live with what you've done? Honestly, no, but I'm feeling my inner peace. I feel like God has angel wings over me because I honestly don't know how to be so strong to live with everything that I've done and, and still know, you know, I'm all alone. I don't have my family. I lost everything, and it's sad that I had to lose everything and everyone I love for me to open my eyes, you know? I feel like yeah. things would have turned out a lot different if I would have went to see my children's father, Renee Hernandez, that was murdered. I feel like it would have opened my eyes a lot more in life, but I didn't because it was a closed casket. So, but I, I do honestly believe—I do honestly believe that everything in life happens for a reason, and I believe in my heart that God knew everything that's planned out to happen was going to happen. Yes, because God, before we were ever born. God wrote our entire story. Yes. So, I, I do believe that it was ordained because I do believe that God has written our story and it's up to us to change it. Yes. And And I think the drugs had such a hold over you that you were unable to change what was written before you were ever born. And they were messing with me, my mental, you know. I am severely bipolar, and the trauma I've been through, there's no excuse. What I've done is absolutely wrong, and I live with that every day. Because my precious children, they didn't deserve nothing that I put them through. And I have put them through a lot, and I'm not going to say that I'm a saint, because I'm a suspect and a victim at the same time. I just I just want the world to know I'm not this monster that they put me out to be. And I would love for them to just, you know, get to know my side of the story. Yes. Because it's not fair. It's not fair that people put out all kinds of lies when they don't know 100% truth about me. Right. About my dangerous relationships I've been in, having a 9 millimeter to my head every day. You know, I've been shot at, I've been through a lot, you know, a lot of trauma. Yeah. Two sides but, of the story. It's not just a one-way road. Is that something that you would want to talk about now, having that gun to your head every day? I honestly would rather do it on air. So people can okay. see that it's really coming from me, you know? Well, I believe that they know that um, they know me. They know that um, my interviews are straightforward, that I don't hide anything. I don't cut anything out. I even leave in the ums at the beginning of the sentence because I don't want my audience to think that I'm changing anything to make it more dramatic. 
Yes, that's understandable. So whatever you say, whatever you say will be exactly what is posted. Okay, well, I was living in Texas with my children's father, my son Joel's father, Eric Aguirre, and we've been through a lot. I'm, I'm going to be totally forward and honest. I cheated on him for three years because my first children's father that I was with, Renee Hernandez, cheated on me with my own sister, and I never cheated on him with a PT. I didn't ever disloyal him, so I felt like I couldn't ever be loyal to another man again because I was disloyal. So I was living in Texas, and I tried to fix things with Joel's father, Eric, and it was just all bad. He, he kept trying to repay me for things. Like, I even went to jail in Texas, and Eric didn't answer the phone for me, didn't pick me up. I had no family living there with me. And I just felt betrayed. So I started dating his best friend from childhood. And then I was putting myself in a dangerous situation, going back and forth with both men, and it, it turned out to be a big mess. Like, really, really big mess. Um, I started dating his best friend, Juan Alvarez, and I broke Juan's heart, leaving him like a dog and going back to Eric, moving in with Eric to another town in Texas. Well, I tried to change things with Juan, getting him back, and he told me not to come back, and I did anyways without his permission. Then I kept trying to fix our relationship, and it was only getting worse. And my mind went crazy. I got on meth, and my mind just, I lost my mind. Smoking crystal meth. Yeah. I was hallucinating. I, I know what it... I know firsthand what meth can do to a person. Yeah. Mm. So I was very high at the time, and I just, my paranoia kept getting really bad, and I just kept feeling like he wanted to chop me and my child up, and that's what the meth was telling me in my brain. So I called the police when I was high off meth, because in my brain, I wasn't correct. I wasn't fine. I wasn't okay, you know? Yeah. I was hallucinating very badly from this toxic drug that I was inheriting into my body. That's very dangerous, but in the time, in the moment, I enjoyed it. I was addicted, and I didn't want to stop because I was losing my weight. I, I was happy with my body, and I was just, I don't know. I thought I was living life, living my dream, and it turned out to be a disaster. Yeah. A monster disaster, actually. You know, I could sit here and, and call you a monster for, for taking your children's life because that's what most people think. But yet in my heart of hearts, I have to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, if, if that had been my daughter who had done what she did, I would not have forsaken her. I would have stood by her. Because she was on meth, and I'm sure you know that. Yeah. And can I say she was the perfect mother when she was on meth? No, I cannot. But she was a dang good mother, and I can't fault her for that. Yeah. But I could see that the meth was taking its toll on her. So, and as deep in as you were at that time, 
and on other drugs at the same time, I can see what you see or what you yes. saw at that time. Yes. So I do have compassion for you because once you came off of the drugs and your brain cells started to reform, that's when you started to realize what you had done. And now you have to live with that. Yeah, and it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's like, it's like inner trauma, inner torment. It's tormenting my brain. What yeah. is, what is, what, what I could have done differently. What, what I could have done differently being a, a mother, a better mother. You know? Mm-hmm. I fell on my back, and my mother has not ever fallen on her back. She raised nine kids. She was a functional crack addict. Lost us in the system, got us right back, and ain't ever disloyal nobody. My mother always held her own and raised all nine of her children without no child support, no men in our life. Yeah. You know? I, know I wish you could have been stronger. Yeah. I wish you could have yeah. been stronger to be able to fight the drugs so that your children yeah. were still here. Yes. Um, do you know how... Um, the grandfather has taken it. In the whole situation. Nobody, nobody speaks to me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody helps me financially. Like right now, I don't have no money to even order hygiene. Nobody's here for me. I have nobody. Because you know, I have to feel for for the grandfather as well. Because I know that he loved those children. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot. not as. Yeah. It's not as much as you pretty close to it. So I was just wondering what his state of mind is at this time. Honestly, I feel like his mind's not there. I honestly heard that he lost his mind, that he's not doing too well. He don't he don't speak, he's real silent and he's messed up in the head from it and and I live with that every day, everything I put my family through. Like I just wish I could see my family smile and authentic smile and I know that that's not ever going to happen because it's my fault. And I ruined my family, and I know that, and it hurts every day. My heart bleeds and pours out every day. Every day. Every every time I open my eyes, just bleeds. Yeah. Like I said, before I die, I want my story to be told because I'm not going to go out like that. Just knowing I, I don't want the world to know me. I want them to know the truth. I want them to know that I am sincere. I am living with the apology of what I've done, being sorry. Yeah, and I can understand you wanting to get your story out. Um, I've had a lot of uh, feedback on the first interview, and people wanted to know, you know, they had different questions, and they wanted to know why I would interview someone like you. And I said, I'm not here for the people who are wrongfully convicted. I'm here for all women that are in prison, no matter what they've done. And I said, her story deserves to be told, just like my daughter's, just like your daughter, like your wife. And I said, and if she's willing to let me tell her story, I'm going to let her tell her story. And I did a follow-up. I've not heard any more feedback. 
I did lose some members after I did your interview, you know, some followers, but that's okay. I'm still reaching 27 countries, and I'm in 28 states now. So your story is being told across the world, not just the United States. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable, then I don't have to do it. I understand. No, I feel perfectly comfortable talking to you. Um, there are questions that I would like to ask, but I don't want to sound like I'm blaming you for what you did because I'm not here to judge you. Right. There's only there's only one person that has that right, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay. And my daughter befriended you, or you befriended her. I don't know which. And if my daughter says it's okay for me to talk to you, then I'm going to talk to you. Okay. Because you don't have anybody. And I want you to be able to trust me that, and know that what I'm saying is true and that I'm not blowing smoke up your, I'm sorry for my words, but I'm not blowing smoke up your ass just to get your story. Okay. Um, but I would like to know the whole story from beginning to end. And I think we're on the road to getting there. Yes. So, that's going to be, that's going to, I will feel comfortable doing it on, and where they view me, where people could see me talking, honestly. Yes. I, and, you know, that's, people ask me that. How, how can you feel comfortable talking to her on the phone, much less do a, a video call where you're actually looking in her face? And my answer is always the same. When I can look somebody in the face and they tell me something, I can tell if they're bullshitting me or if they're telling me the truth. I have that ability. And by looking at you during the, the interview, I'll be able to tell by looking at you if you're blowing smoke up my ass, you know. Um, and that's why I would like to do the video. Yes, ma'am. Um... I believe that you are telling me the truth, or what you perceive to be the truth, because I know what the drugs have done to you. Yes. So, I was very glad when you said you, that you wanted, that you were willing to do a, a really quick interview with me tonight, because this will open my second season of my podcast, and I want to start it off with a bang. I want to bring people back to hear your story. Oh, to hear more of it. I hate that you're, I'm, I hate that you're, going outside the record. Okay. I hate that you're losing, that you lost the contact over this situation. I'm not, because there's more people out there. You know, I've lost maybe four, yeah, that want to hear it. I've, I've only lost about 14 followers, and, Hello. Tell her I love her too. <laughs> yeah, she went outside. Yeah, yeah I heard Charlie her. Knows, like, Charlie knows, Charlie dealt with me for four months on um, suicide watch. She knows that my yeah. heart pours out, you know? 
Yes, and she told me that. And she said, Mom, she said, you need to talk to this girl. She said, I think that you will really get something out of it yourself, and you'll understand a little bit more about me and my addiction. Okay. And, um, and it has helped me. Okay. Do you think we could take this off um, air right now? Because i got to go to the restroom. Yes, we can. And how about and our wanna, and then And then I want to ask you something that's not on air, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's okay. I can take it off the air. Okay. 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 Just you can take it off? I took the interview off record, but I want to finish up the the broadcast. She had some personal questions that she wanted to ask me, and I did. But I hope to be bringing you soon a video of Amber giving me her entire story, because that's what we were talking about off the air. And I don't know if it will be video, but at least I will share the audio. But... I hope that, once again, that you don't judge me for interviewing her. And I do feel compassion for her because her brain is has cleared of the fog and she now understands what she's done and she knows that she's going to hell for what she did to her children. And she has to wait until she dies a natural death in order to do that. And she's ready to go now. I do not condone anything that she has done by taking the drugs, continuing the lifestyle, knowing that she was headed down the wrong road, and that led her to kill her children. I just feel compassion for her because she does have to live with the knowledge of what she's done. And I do want her story told in its entirety. Not just what you're hearing so far, but I hope soon to bring you the entire story of the gun being pointed at her head every night, of the Mexican cartel and the involvement she says that she was in, and... Hopefully, at some point, I can share the video. So, thank you for joining me on this impromptu follow-up with Amber Pastor. And more than just a number, a woman's journey through incarceration. May you have a blessed day. Thank you.